0: Hi guys and welcome back to episode 21 of the In The Hub podcast, brought to you by Playbox Technology UK. On today's episode, we're speaking to KC Lee. To say that KC is an expert in all things broadcasting and systems integration would be an understatement. KC heads up Amric Solutions, based over in Malaysia, working with both private and government broadcasting operations to provide the most beneficial workflows for them.
1: So hi, everyone. Today we have Casey Lee. Thank you very much, Nell. It's truly an honour and pleasure to be joining our podcast today. We'll just get straight into the
0: questions then, if that's okay with you, Casey. Yeah, sure thing, Nell. I'm excited. So how did you get your start in the
1: broadcasting and media industry, Casey? Well, I got my very first brush with the broadcast industry when I first started my career with you guys as a business development manager with Playbox Technology back then since the year 2010. And I got along very well with selling many of the channel boxes to various broadcasters from all over Southeast Asia. After a while, I was confident enough to branch out on my very own after learning all the bolts and nuts of broadcasting and form my very own system integration company instead known as Emric
0: Solutions, since 2013. Awesome. Sounds good, Casey. So was broadcasting something that
1: you were always interested in from the very start? Well, initially, I was having quite a hard time trying to figure out whether I'm in the right industry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I get it. But uh, once I got the hang out of it, it's actually a pretty exciting world out there too, for broadcasting, with technologies that never stop evolving. It never fails to excite me all the time being a technologically inclined person and i never look back after since helping all my customers to integrate various systems on their broadcast workflow throughout the years and as the saying goes the rest is all history. Love it, Casey. So in today's episode i think we're going to talk a little
0: bit about starting a you know an ott over the top service from scratch.
1: Yes, yes, that's right now. This is actually a very exciting topic and in fact very relevant for today's and tomorrow broadcasters. Well, in the very beginning, almost 15 years ago, when we first mentioned about OTT, everybody's like thinking, what's that? Is it onion over the toe? (laughs) But uh, we all know Netflix, of course, which is the very first successful OTT startup since 2007. And it's still the leader today in a very fast and rapidly changing environment among the other big players out there, like Apple TV, Amazon Prime Video, Hulu, HBO Max, Disney Plus, and of course, YouTube. And did you know now that YouTube is actually the very first and pioneer of OTT since all the way back in 2005, two years actually before Netflix decides to branch out from its traditional brick and mortar business of selling and renting out DVDs?
0: Yeah, I was going, yeah, that's, uh, that's an interesting point, actually, because you don't often think of YouTube as being the the, the first pioneer of OTT. So uh, you, your mind always jumps straight to Netflix or uh, or Amazon Prime that have really brought it into the uh the mainstream space so yeah to be fair yeah, i didn't actually realize that
1: yes actually many people didn't realize that as, as well anyway we are not going to talk about the ott brands out there but instead we will be focusing today on how to start an ott business from the very beginning like literally from scratch and how to stay ahead in the game well firstly ott is a very challenging business model in today's very competitive market but it's also a very lucrative business that can generate a lot of income very quickly as well if your goals and strategies are aligned correctly. If we look at a report from Digital TV Research, a very well-known research paper based on OTT, they claim that the last year itself, for the year of 2020, OTT revenues around the world has reached up to 16 billion US dollars, and they project that it will reach up to 68 billion US dollars by the end of 2025, due to the current pandemic. And that's a lot of revenue to read from actually from this industry. Yes. hundred percent. Yeah. Also, many viewers prefer to watch their favorite contents via OTT today. That's because it is much less expensive as opposed to satellite TV or even cable TVs. Anyway, to begin with, you will certainly need to know which market segment that you want to target in specifically. Some people do come up to me and say, Hey, Casey. We want to start an OTD business. And then I say, oh, yeah, that's great. Which market are you targeting in? <laughs> and then it got close and some even say, well, we want everything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: Wouldn't we all, Casey, wouldn't we all? Um, so, yeah, I guess fundamentally then it's, um, you hear it quite a lot, but content is, is king, isn't it, Casey?
1: Oh, yes, that's right now. Content is always king. And then network is the queen also. Without one or the other, your OTD business is not going to bode well. And before long after you realize that you have to close shop even before you establish yourself in the market. So well, plan well in advance, go to the drawing board and write down which sort of market segments are you going to tap in. And they can be broken down very easily to geographic, demographic, psychographic, and behavioral. Once you have established that, next comes the type of contents that you're going to deliver to these market segments. If you have trouble defining which market segments are you going to tap in, one good way is to look at the competitors out there and try to identify their market segments and those that they don't really focus onto. And well, there you have it. You will certainly be able to come up with a market segment that those big brands really have ventured into. I always tell my customers that there's always a niche market segment of content that you can tap into. In the OTT business, there are three main ways to monetize your business, known respectively as as SVOT, TVOT, and AVOT. But then there's a sort of new term recently made very well known as well, which is P-VOD and quite confusing. Eh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's starting to get a
0: lot of VODs, isn't there? It's, um, so, yeah, yeah, it can be confusing for sure. So for anyone who might not know about these terms, could you tell us a little bit more about what, you know, S-VOD, T-VOD, A-VOD and, and P-VOD, what, what do these terms actually mean?
1: Yes, of course. Uh, SVOT stands for subscription Video on Demand, which is the very conventional way for audiences to consume as much content as they would like to by paying for a flat rate every month. Then comes the TVOT, which is a transactional video on demand where the audiences only purchase the contents that they want to view like a pay-per-view basis. And thirdly is AVOT, which is really like the traditional way of watching a TV where commercials will come in between the contents that you're currently watching and sometimes the viewers couldn't really skip these ads either.
0: Yes, sometimes you forget it's, it's you know, platforms like YouTube that enabled you to actually skip advertisements. We never used to be able to do that before. Um, so it's, it's kind of like you have to, in, in return for the content, you have to sit through these ads, don't you?
1: Oh, that's right. And because AVOT service is usually free to watch, the viewers rarely get to complain much during such airing of the ads. And finally, we now have the newcomer, Pivot, which stands for Premium Video on Demand which is actually very relevant now due to the current COVID-19 pandemic, where big movie producers get to air their new feature films or even blockbusters via OTT, and the viewers themselves get to skip going to the cinemas altogether by watching from the very comfort of their own sofas. You can't have a mix and match of these revenue models, of course, or incorporate all of them together into your OTT business for diversification in order to achieve the best success by tapping into all these avenues instead of just putting all of your eggs into one basket.
0: Yes, that's really important. So after a business owner, say, has chosen the exact market segment they're going to tap into and and their exact revenue model, uh, what would you suggest comes next?
1: Well, next comes the very exciting part where we will drill down further into the technological aspects of this OTT business by firstly, and most importantly, obtaining a reliable CMS, or better known as content management system, to drive your OTT service. There are so many OTT vendors out there to choose from, from the big shots to the smaller unknown ones however they all share the same characteristics as how your content gets managed and finally delivered to your audiences a good way before choosing which ott platform works best for you is to test them out or have these ott vendors provide a proof of concept to you before you actually go out there and buy one or even sign up a contract with them as usually these sas or software service are not really cheap either and it can eat out a significant chunk of your investment especially if you plan to own them as a CAPEX model, as opposed to the SaaS model for OPEX. I will strongly suggest to my startup clients to go with the OPEX model instead, as it enables them to quickly get started with this OTD business with less risk involved. And if things don't really work out well in the end, they can eventually decide to cancel their service entirely without fear of losing more money down the line. But if you plan everything and execute them right from the start, chances are that you won't be seeing such outcome in this business. Yes, yeah,
0: And I think, you know, just getting off a little bit to the side, I think we both know that security is also one of the kind of major uh, primary concerns for the content delivery process as well. Oh,
1: absolutely. Security is paramount to the success for your OTT. You wouldn't want people out there to be stealing your hard-earned and precious contents. And then seeing it ends up appearing on those pirated platforms out there. There are several well-known DRM, or better known as Digital Rights Management Systems, that will protect and encrypt your precious assets during the delivery process. Still, it doesn't mean that with this DRM, you're 100% fully protected
0: either. Yeah, I, yeah. so I, I wanted to branch off that a little bit further. I think, you know, you see it especially nowadays. There's content, well, content pirates. They're really quite creative in the, the
1: different ways they steal content at the moment, aren't they? Oh, yes, correct. You have no idea how these guys can always manage to do it. But at least you will have some sense of insurance over your OTT business with a DRM in place compared to none at all. Yeah. It will make it harder for these guys who don't really know how to steal your encrypted contents. Otherwise, you could lose your business very quickly to these pirates. Furthermore, with a DRM in place, even if these pirates are able to somehow steal your content, they can only do so by delivering them in a very low quality format. And sometimes they can't even remove that watermark for your contents. As they are truly unable to deliver that high quality experience their viewers come to expect which can only come directly from your ott platform itself also you might want to consider dual restrictions if you do not want your ott service to be available in certain countries or regions
0: yes okay so if we could uh drill down a little bit more on what various kinds of ott models there are out there for, for anyone who, who might be wondering
1: oh certainly there are four primary OTT models out there, which firstly are OTT itself, where the audience can watch contents on an Android or iOS app, or from a very own website that provides a streaming service. Secondly, CTV, or better known as IPTV, is watching the contents via television, which are traditionally connected to a set box. And finally, there's linear OTT, where the viewers can watch live TV channels on air via OTT platform. Now, this is where the confusion comes, as sometimes both the OTT and linear OTT can be intertwined together as coming from the very same OTT platform, where you can essentially deliver both services at the same time. For example, if you can have both VOD and live linear channels streaming out directly from your very own OTT platform itself, if you also plan to include your very own live linear channels via OTT, you can do so easily nowadays with the channel box player automation such as the ones that comes directly from Playbox Technology itself, which can handle all the day plays for a complete channel rundown with fully blown channel branding as well. And can occasionally switch over to your very own live feed coming from your very own studio. Also, for this instance, catch-up TV are also highly desirable if you're planning to on-air many shows in the long run, allowing your viewers to catch up on those missed episodes.
0: Yes, 100%. So I think, yeah, once obviously a content provider has, has sorted that, aspect out you know how, how connect the dots for us how does the audience actually get access to the content via ott all that
1: simply with the use of a cdn or content delivery network as without a cdn that properly handles the hundreds and thousands of video streams coming simultaneously from the ott platform your audiences will never get the very best of the viewing experiences from your ott so mentionally before content is king while network is the queen Therefore, they both have to work hand-in-hand hand to achieve the best possible experiences for your audiences. In essence, a CDN handles the actual real-time bandwidth their contents are being streamed out to the viewers themselves. It is very important to choose a well-known CDN that has many pops, well, also known as point of presence, especially if you are planning to deliver your OTT globally without any geographical or regional restrictions. If your viewers start to experience a bad streaming service on your OTT, that is usually because due to their CDNs, that has less pops as compared with the more established ones. And also because this is where the largest chunk of our investment will occur, as OTT owners will quickly realize that paying for bandwidth can be a truly terrifying experience, especially when you have a large audience at hand to handle Yeah,
0: 100%. Um, yeah, so for anyone who might not be sure, you know, is there a limit? What what sort of video formats can we deliver via OTT?
1: Oh yes, uh, this is a crucial part in uh, maintaining good OTT experience for customers. Well, to begin with, if you have SD contents, you might want to upscale them very near to HD, like a 720p format. And if you have uh, HD contents, you can go with 1080p. While for 4K contents, which are highly desirable nowadays, go up to 2160p instead. This is where the CDN will come in handily as it will automatically compensate the delivery of the content itself, based on the viewer's internet connection. Also, your contents need to be able to be understood by a wide range of viewers. You plan to target a worldwide audience. One way is to perform yourself or pay for audio dubbing and subtitling services over your contents, and then have them embedded with multi-track audio to subtitles in various foreign languages. And uh, not forgetting, you have the option for surround sound formats as well, such as Dolby Digital, DTS, or even THX.
0: Yeah. So just moving on slightly, Casey. um, You know, in terms of streaming protocols, how many types of streaming protocols are are out there and
1: exist for people? Oh well, this is actually a very true and deep and confusing topic. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I bet. bet. But. I'm just going to touch on the surface. Uh, and uh, Initially, there was only three favorite ones, which are UDP, RTMP, and RTSP. But with today's ever-growing technologies, we now have a variety of streaming protocols at our disposal, such as the newer adaptive bit-rate streaming technologies, like the HLS, sorry, used by Apple, MPEG-Dash, mainly used by Android devices, MSS or Microsoft Smooth Streaming, Adobe HDS, and some newer technologies as well, like SRT or WebRTC. The thing is that we don't really need to remember or delve so deeply into all of, the, all of these protocols, as they are certainly very technical in their own this universe. However, it's best to check with your OTT CMS provider, whether they can handle as many of these, or all of these streaming protocols with ease.
0: Yeah, so Casey, you keep mentioning, obviously, the CMS uh, for OTT, and I get the, the feeling we can't really underestimate the importance of the CMS. You know, what, what? what is so
1: important about it? Oh yes, CMS is actually the heart of the OTT itself, which oversees the entire daily end-to-end, back-end operations of your OTT business. Right from the moment of a content acquisition, the content management, content delivery, and finally the content distribution via CDN. How can we manage the content as soon as we acquire them? What sort of marketing campaigns can we introduce from time to time? How do we attract and retain our customers? How do we monetize our contents? How can customers pay it to us? And finally, with all this tremendous data passing through the system, we need an analytics that can help us to plan which content are being watched the most and what's the number of increased subscribers per month. And also, what are the number of customers that might cancel their subscription and why did they do so? So, all this from the back end, the OTT CMS should be able to have a helicopter view for all these processes in within a heartbeat. And a good CMS can certainly show all this data in a glance from the backend. A good CMS can also drive content search and discovery very quickly and easily from the user's device perspective as well.
0: Yes, yeah, so like you said, the CMS really does seem as if it is the the heart and the backbone of, of many different OTT operations. Um, and I, I guess with CMSs and, and OTT in general, there's quite a lot of competition within that space right now, isn't there, KC? Have you, have you seen this firsthand?
1: Oh, yes, that's right now. The OTT market is certainly in a very confined space right now with a wrong strategy or implementation, and you can certainly not expect to survive very long in this very aggressive industry. Yet, as I mentioned before, that there are still various areas that you can tap into and leverage from. And sometimes, there are times we might need to work with our competitors instead. For example, like some internet service providers, which can provide the whole entire OTT service themselves, since they already have the, all their entire backbone IT and network infrastructure from their end. It might be a good idea to partner with such ISPs that are about to launch such OTT service, your marketing approach and strategies, of course. Also, consumers nowadays are very demanding and certainly hard to piece as well, don't you think, Now,
0: <laughs> Yeah, you're not wrong, Casey, you're not wrong.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's like we have to cater to all various customers with different needs and tastes, and it's very tricky to retain all of them and not letting them sign up with the bigger names instead. Compelling content nowadays is not the only reason that consumers will stick with you. You need to sustain the business with good marketing strategies. That's why that keeps them coming back to you for more.
0: So almost like, you know, sign up now and you can get all you can eat content free for life.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh yes, and that will certainly be a headache for the business owners. (laughs) Yes, I wish, I wish. Yeah, I have heard of OTT platforms that just keep streaming out free content for a few months or more due to the lack of subscribers signing up on their platform. Again, we really can't blame these consumers themselves, as some even subscribe to multiple OTT providers at once so that they can access the contents that they truly desire the most from one platform to the other. Also, content monetization is one of the most critical aspects of the OTT business. There are many strategies to tackle in this area, and the best way, due to my experience that is undeniable, is to tap into social media with short trailers as the most powerful tool for marketing as well. Also, Avod is one of the most successful content monetization out there, as there are many people who likes to watch free content and don't mind seeing the ads actually. This is where OTT providers can monetize a lot by getting these commercial providers to pay them handsomely. But there are so many views out there we simply can't tolerate watching more than three ads per content that they
0: are currently consuming, right? <laughs> yeah, I completely understand as well. Oh, that's that's a lot of ads.
1: Yeah, and actually, I believe there is a way where an OTT provider can adopt to a win-win situation over here, where if their subscribers don't want to pay too much fees, then they will have to bear with more ads instead. And vice versa, with viewers who totally dislike or says no to ads at all, then they will have to pay more for their S-Vault subscription. Such trade-off and balance should be given in advance to the viewers yeah, yeah. so that they would know what to expect and not to be disappointed with the sudden increase of fees from their already own perspective.
0: Yeah, I must say it is uh, it is quite refreshing sometimes to be able to watch you know free content without any ads in it. Oh,
1: absolutely. I wish for the same too. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, I can't blame
1: you. But uh, still, there are some finicky audiences that prefer to watch their content, you know, ads a lot. And these are the ones that don't mind paying more for a premium SVOT package, actually. My experience of working with so many OTT projects out there, business owners who implement both AVOT and s models are the ones that reaps the most income out there.
0: Yeah, so, you know, could you tell us a little bit more about what sort of features an audience would always want from their OTT viewing experience? Are there any features that crop up in every OTT platform that, that need to be there?
1: Sure. The user experience is also very critical here in this business, not forgetting. A solid video player or an OTT app should include all the usual features, such as their favorite shows and channels popping up all the time, based on their movie preference or show preference. And sometimes they will be like to be able to download them as well, so that they can watch them offline. I think we can all agree that social media sharing options are important as well, so that when the viewer finishes the content and shout out loud on their own social media and say, Hey, guys, this is a good movie channel over here, and you guys should come and watch it too. (laughs) Well, this will certainly be a very good magnet to attract more customers quickly over to your OTT platform. In addition to that, the viewers themselves must be able to have the flexibility to upgrade or downgrade the subscription based on the budget. This strategy will certainly increase the customer retention for a long period of time. And also, EPG or Electronic Program Guide is certainly a must if you plan to stream live linear channels via OTT platform.
0: Yeah, so what what about the actual streaming experience? So, you know, taking into account latency and and buffering and things like that. You know, isn't that the most important surface-level feature for users?
1: Oh, yes, you're right now. Suddenly nobody likes to watch a movie or a channel that keeps on buffering. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Hello! Therefore, well, it's essential to choose a compromise between high quality and low bandwidth conditions for low latency situations, which works for both ways for the audience and also for the OTT owners themselves, as they do not want to pay for more bandwidth than they are supposed to via their CDN. The key question here is how can we manage multi-screen simultaneously? In this area, it is best to speak with your content providers and get them to provide you with only a single file format with the highest quality and stick to that format across your content repository, instead of having so many different types of file formats that can really impact or degrade your service during the transcoding process. Now, this goes the same if you're planning to pump a live linear channel feed from your station or studio over to your OTT platform. If that's the case. There's paramount need to stick with a reliable source of video streaming, such as UDP or SRT. And then let the transcoders from the OTT backend handle all the simultaneous transcoding into the adaptive bitrate streams. The key thing here is to stick with one format only, even though most OTT CMS are very far agnostic, while ensuring that OTT services are able to be viewed on as many devices as possible. Uniformity equates to low problems in the long run.
0: So just out of curiosity, Casey, um, and I know you've you've been in this business for such a long time now, and I'm, I'm sure you've helped a lot of your customers, you know, launch their OTT services. How quickly do you think an OTT service can be deployed?
1: Oh uh, well, this really depends, and it's very, very subjective. Many of my customers thought, and uh, oh, Casey, isn't it just a white labeling process? We can launch the OTT in <laughs> a day, right? <laughs> oh no, no, it's not that simple. <laughs> And I say definitely no, of course not, as there are so many factors involved. And uh, firstly, you will need to upload the contents from the site to the OTD CMS over the cloud. And this process itself can take days to weeks, depending on the number of hours of contents that you truly possess. And secondly, you will need to integrate as many domestic and international payment gateways as you possibly could in order for customers to be able to pay conveniently. The world would be much simpler if everyone could just pay through PayPal or Stripe, right?
0: (laughs) I've got to say, I'd definitely be on board with that, Casey.
1: (laughs) Oh, yes, I would love that too. Uh, But usually that's not really the case in here, as some might not even have a credit card to begin with. This is where a local bank transfer can come into play, such as the FPX, which is a well-known payment gateway service here in Malaysia. And uh, some might want to pay via Google or Apple Pay too, and so forth. The more payment gateways that you can integrate with your OTD service, the more efficiently you will be able to collect your fees from your subscribers effectively. But you will also incur more delays to launch your OTD service. If you plan to scale up as quickly as possible, your OTD service needs to support multi-currency and multilingual as well, as you certainly do not want to lose customers just because you are not compatible with their payment methods. And uh, then you might need to compare the different rates and packages that different CDN can provide to you at the same time. Usually, your OTT vendor can suggest one that they work best with. And finally, the trial testing of your OTT platform, which can take from several days to a few weeks before you can go live with your service. Uh, realistically, looking through all this can take anywhere from at least three to four months minimum to go live with your very own OTT service. And also, you will need to check with your OTT vendor whether can they provide you a disaster recovery approach or business continuity plan as well. In case your OTT service goes down unexpectedly and whether can they guarantee something like a 99.97% uptime service throughout their entire SLA contract as well.
0: Casey, okay, so in your experience, do you think the OTT owners, well, OTT content owners should manage everything via the cloud
1: or, or from their own premises? Well, that's a very good question now. Again, it really depends on which business model are they planning to adopt with. Are you going with a full CapEx model or an OPEX model instead? Both of these models has its pros and cons, of course, if you are really confident and if you are really loaded as well. Well, I say go with a full CapEx model since you can have total control on how you want to deliver your OTD service to your audience. You can choose which transcoders and encoders to incorporate with for your file base and live media channel streams. is also especially useful if you own a TV station or your own studio as well, where you get to determine the size of your video storage, and also have effective control over your origin servers with disaster recovery systems in place and covering all angles. Also, you can retain your customer database, which is one of the most precious assets in your own facility instead by preventing them from unauthorized theft or loss of such data. By purchasing the CMS and CRM systems itself, your only concern was just to pay for CDN in the long run. The same is entirely opposite if you choose to adopt for a full OPEX model instead, which the benefits far outweighs the CAPEX model, such as you don't need to know coding at all or have a large manpower to manage and maintain all these mentioned systems. As technology evolves very quickly and you don't need to keep investing in infrastructure, since this will all be handled by your OTT vendor. You do get right support from your OTD vendor as well, and almost all the fundamental processes are being handled by your OTD vendor, such as the video transcoding, the payment gateways, which are all done over the cloud, leaving you to solely focus on your marketing and content acquisition from time to time. And you can also start up quicker with lesser investment and you can cancel once the contract ends with your OTD vendor. And if you feel like you're hitting a brick wall on the other side, However, if you can adopt a certain mixture of KPEX and OPEX models together, like a hybrid business model, um, that will certainly be the most ideal way to go with. Yes,
0: and so you you know, you as a business, you've figured all this out, uh, you know, you've know, you got your, your service deployed, your OTT service deployed. What's the next step after that?
1: Oh, customer retention. I always keep telling my customers, customer retention. Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> always keep your viewers stick with you. And uh, one more, you can even throw in some freebies, too, from time to time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's uh, it's also ideal to have an online marketplace running side-by-side side with your OTD service where you can allow your audience to purchase from memorabilia attached with your company logo on them as well.
0: Yes, I've, I've got fans of, of popular shows and films. They do love merchandise, don't they?
1: Oh, except, absolutely, especially those really fancy ones. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyway, the analytics are very important as well. It's also one aspect that every OTT owner should never overlook. With all the geolocation location data and statistics generated in a same comprehensive report, OTT players can quickly adapt to different marketing strategies or tactics to have a revenue or even to counter or minimize the loss of revenue or even subscribers in the long run. You need to stay ahead in the game for competitors with such data. You will also need to ensure that your customers can reach out to you quickly and easily via online support, keeping them happy and all sorted out if they encounter any issues along the way. And finally, it's all about doing what's right and keep doing it right. Try not to diverge into unknown areas or territories that are not proven to work at all, as this will only increase the risk of losing your loyal subscribers. And believe me, once you do lose them, it's certainly very hard to get them on board again. And uh, there must be a reason why you stick with you, and that's because you are probably doing the right thing all the while. With a little patience and with the right strategy and tools, you can expect to keep reaping the huge benefits from this business. Also, this is a real proven business model for the past two decades, and it's highly recommended that broadcasters which already have a large repository of contents on their site to explore tech into this business before it's too late when the market segments get smaller and smaller with each passing year. And well, as the old saying goes, it's either now or never.
0: <laughs> yeah, you're right there, Casey. I think, yeah, OTT in itself is a, a really exciting topic and we, we love to chat about it. So for uh, the audience here would like to know more about OTT solutions, how can they
1: reach out to you guys? Well, they can head over to my website at www.emric.com.my or send us an email through salesalliesembrick.com.my.
0: Awesome. So thank you very much for your time, Casey. It's truly a pleasure to have you on here with us today. And thank you for lending us your knowledge on the topic. It's been great.
1: Thank you very much, Nell. Same goes to you. And I hope you have a good week ahead.
0: You too, Casey.